Towards the end of February this year, the British Foreign Secretary William Hague issued a warning to all Brits in Greece that they should register with the British Embassy in case they had to be evacuated. More than a month later, and I'm still here in Greece and haven't even bothered to register with the Embassy to book my place on the first RAF transport plane out of here. Call me rash, and thanks for your thoughtfulness, Mr Haig, but a few riots by a handful of nut-job self-styled anarchists does not a war zone make. Perhaps Mr Haig has watched the killing fields a few times too many. As I stand here in the compound of the British Embassy in Athens, all around me is chaos and confusion, as British expats and holidaymakers scramble to board one of the RAF-seeking helicopters which have been airlifting people to safety since first light this morning. All are desperate to escape the relentless bombardment which you can hear behind me. Since well before the first helicopter arrived, hordes of Greek pensioners, some of whom are well into their 80s, have maintained a constant and often deadly onslaught of yoghurt pots, rotten tomatoes and plastic water bottles. Casualties lie all around, and just a few feet away I can see one young man writhing on the ground, his left leg a mass of vivid red gore, while another man bends over him to offer what comfort he can. I'll see if I can get a word. Excuse me, but that looks pretty bad. Do you think he'll make it? Do I reckon it with a tomato? One of those big buggers too. Beefsteaks they call them, I think. Wouldn't have been so bad if it'd been one of those cherry ones. Gardener's delight or sun baby kind of thing. These ones are vicious. Leave me, leave me. For God's sake, save yourself before it's too late. I'm done for. No way am I leaving you at the mercy of this bunch of great coffin dodgers. After that nice Mr Haig has come to our rescue and laid on all these helicopters. Don't be a damn fool, man. Get out while you still can. But just promise me one last thing. Ah, all right, then. What is it? Make sure Gertie gets... Uh, 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 this, will you? Jor pimento stuffed calamatorolius. Well, I'm not sure they'll let me take it on the helicopter without it being in a sealed plastic wallet, but... I Look out! Incoming family-sized yoghurt pot! Is that the sort of thing you had in mind, Mr Haig? I mean, did the Greek authorities start banging on about airlifting their nationals to safety during last summer's riots in the UK? No, they didn't. OK, there might be some uncharitable people who'd say that's because the Greek government couldn't afford the fuel for the transport planes, but that's beside the point. The point is that, whatever you've seen in the non-Greek media... Greece is not on the verge of imploding or spontaneously combusting. Not yet, anyway. Nor is the entire population made up of work-shy, ouzo-guzzling tax dodgers who inspire jokes like How many Greeks does it take to change a light bulb? None. They get an Albanian in to do it. I can't deny that there's a fair few of these people in Greece, but probably no more so than in Britain or any other country on the planet. In the UK, we're just a bit more subtle about our schemes for making as much money as possible for as little work as we can get away with. 
To take just one example, the British make a fine but clear distinction between tax avoidance, which is apparently perfectly acceptable, and tax evasion, which is considered very, very naughty indeed. To my mind, they both amount to the same thing, cheating the tax man, or tax person to be strictly politically correct. While I'm not suggesting for a moment that there aren't a lot of people in Greece who are suffering appalling hardships as a result of the so-called austerity measures, what I do want to convey, and despite what Mr Haig says, is that Greece is actually not a bad place to live. Even now it's got itself into what a good bit of British understatement would call a bit of a pickle. Incidentally, before moving on from the inane prattlings of Haig the Vague and getting on with my own inane prattling, I'm sure the Greek Tourist Board will be delighted that his brainless remark about evacuating Brits has almost certainly decimated the number of British holidaymakers who were seriously considering coming to Greece this summer and spending some much-needed cash. Nice one, William. Right then. If you haven't drifted away already, I should probably tell you a bit about this series of podcasts. What it's not about is some British expat droning on about A. How absolutely splendid the weather is here in Greece. B. The generally vile greasiness of all foreign food, hereinafter referred to as muck. C. Why all foreigners don't speak English. D. How foreign builders, plumbers and other tradespeople never turn up when they say they will. Like they always do in good old Blighty, of course. E, and so on. OK, so none of the above. Instead, I shall be droning on about what living in Greece is really like and all the weird and wacky stuff we've encountered since we first moved here eight years ago some of which might even shed a bit of light on why Greece finds itself in the mess it is now. From time to time, I'll also be veering off at complete tangents and chucking in the occasional item that has no relevance to Greece whatsoever, for no other reason than sheer self-indulgence. Oh, and if you haven't stumbled across this site by chance and came here deliberately, hello Granny, hope you're well. So why a kilo of string as the title of this series of podcasts? Well, it seemed to epitomise much of the bizarre stuff we've come across since we've been here. In fact, bizarre was probably our most overused word in the early days at least. But let me explain. In Greece, and it's probably a good thing really, they don't tend to go in for the B&Q type megastores except in the bigger towns and cities. Instead, they've stuck more with the traditional style shops such as little ironmongers selling all manner of stuff like an Aladdin's cave. So if you want to buy something like string or rope, you go into one of these ironmongers and they normally have various different thicknesses of string and rope wound round these drums and you point to whichever thickness of string or rope you want and say to one of the assistants, I'd like some of this rope please preferably in Greek. And then the assistant usually says, Boza kilo selete? How many kilos do you want? And then you say, I have absolutely no idea, but I do know I want 10 metres. 
So the assistant nods and reels off some rope using his arms as a measure until he's got about 10 metres worth. Then he cuts it off, takes it to the counter and weighs it, charging you so many euros per kilo or part of a kilo. Things like wine and olive oil are also sold in kilos. So if you're in a restaurant, you ask for half a kilo of red wine and, quite by coincidence, you'll get half a litre. If you go into a shop for a kilo of olive oil, however, you'll end up with about 1.1 litres. Petrol, rather more conveniently perhaps, is sold by the litre, but rather less conveniently, is now more than double the price when we first came. As far as we and anybody else can work out, there doesn't seem to be any particular logic for selling things like rope by the kilo. And if you ask a Greek, more often than not, they'll just shrug and say they've always done it like that, so what's the problem? Well, it isn't really a problem once you get used to it or the multitude of other examples in Greece for which there doesn't appear to be any logical reason. In supermarkets, for instance, you'll often find a free gift sellotaped to some product or other where the two items bear no relation to each other whatsoever. Take a jumbo-sized pack of washing powder, for instance. What's the free gift? Bottle of fabric conditioner? Some other household cleaning aid, perhaps? No, it's a can of Coke or a packet of crisps. So where's the logic in that? OK, you might be able to make a case based on people getting hungry and or thirsty when they're doing the weekly wash, but it's a bit on the tenuous side, isn't it? In Greece, you just have to accept that there aren't any logical reasons for a lot of the weird stuff you come across here. And it was relatively early on that we decided to stop even looking for them. They don't exist. I have a theory that although the Greeks pretty much invented logic, the word itself coming from the original Greek logiki, it was so long ago they eventually became bored with it and decided to do chaos instead, which is of course another Greek invention, chaos coming oddly enough from the Greek word chaos. But that's about it for this week. So thanks for listening and I hope you'll tune in again next week if I haven't been airlifted to safety by then, of course. Until then, cheers. Yes, it's going to be